0: It's, we're starting a series called Grow Up, um, and really, this is, I'm saying this in the nicest way possible, all right? We all need to grow up in some ways, so if, if that offends you, um, that's a good indication that there's probably something in an area you need to grow up in, because I'm not saying this in the, in the least offensive way of growing up. It's just something that has to happen and take place. We're going to go through this, this idea. Last week, we kind of kicked off really, really what it means to start a relationship with God, We talked about that, and we'll talk about it a little bit. In Ephesians 4.15, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, we will in all things grow up. So at the end of this, we're going to kind of cover the context of where he's saying that and what it means. But this is kind of the the, the verse that we're using, right? We will in all things grow up. Because this is God's desire for people that we would grow up, not just physically mature in that way, but also have a spiritual growth. And so this series is going to really be talking about spiritual growth and how we can take the next step to become um, the kind of people God wants us to, where we can mature and we can grow up in different ways um, because he's wanting us to do that. But before I hop into really what we're talking about, I want to talk about why we should grow up in the first place. Um, I mean, our culture, we, we make this, uh, we idolize um, youth, Right? We make it this big thing as like the best time of life. And a lot of things are, are geared towards that. And, and um, because because of our, our American culture is so consumer driven, it's all about me and, and wanting my stuff. And there's this part of a lot of people say, why would I need to grow up? Like, man, it's fun not having responsibilities. It's fun not having to take all this stuff. Well, we're going to kind of walk through that and talk about it. So some of the things that, that really hinder us from growing up is, is our culture, our worldview, uh, the way we see the world. Uh, the way we um, uh, see God, all right? These things, they, they, our worldview really impacts w- reasons we don't mature in our faith or in some cases mature in, in, in other areas. See, in, in our culture, I was talking with the, with the teacher yesterday. We have, we have quite a few teachers in our church. This is great. Um, I think it's God's indication that we're supposed to help uh, teachers and help help people in, in our community through, through education and stuff like that. Well, we were talking about this, and I was asking him a question just about, you know, students, you know, why it's important for your students to mature and stuff. And we we're kind of just going through this, this dialogue, and he mentioned they had this student that just, well, he, he says, you know, he's kind of talked about, about the class, why it's important. And she said, really, I, I understand it's important, but the problem is that I don't think that's important. The problem is I just don't care about life. In fact, I wish I could just sleep all the time. And she just, she just kind of wants to just be to stop and stop moving and just stay still. You know. And, and, and we were talking about this. I was reflecting. I said, man, when things get really difficult in my life and, and it's challenging, I, I can relate. I just want to sleep. I just want to not think about anything and not do anything and just stay still and move and not, not move. But really, God wired us to be these kind of people that are always taking a step forward. Last week, we compared the, 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 the relationship with God, our Christian walk to an airplane. All right. We talked about what Easter did. Really, there's this law of gravity that keeps these really, you know, normally a, a really heavy metal thing cannot get off the ground because it's so heavy, because of gravity. And we talked about how there's this, this law of gravity that, that keeps us tied to the ground. Well, in a spiritual context, there's, there's sin and our, our, our own desires that keep us grounded and keep us away from the things of God. And we said Jesus came and died on that cross so that we essentially could be like an airplane and use a different law that can overcome gravity, which is called the law of lift. And lift overcomes gravity if it has speed behind it. And the way the design planes. And we talked about the, the big idea, the core idea of Christianity. I even think it's the core idea of the whole Bible. You know, we, and we talked about that for Easter. If you missed it, go listen. It's a great message. And we said, um, so essentially, man, the cross gets us lifted off. We begin to li- live in a, in a way that's not like everybody else. It, it's God saying, I want you to live in a higher way of thinking and living. I want, I want to lift you up. I want to bring you up higher so you can you can see it a different perspective. And, and it's really living. Um, You know, I I think if you you asked a bird if he enjoyed walking or flying, he would say, you crazy? Flying. God created us in a sense that we're supposed to to be moving and enjoying life and really flying, not just grounded and walking all the time. But our own desires and sin keeps us. And we said how the cross, it it breaks that in our lives. It gives us freedom over death and over sin. And we can overcome that. Well, I said the the next thing is that we have to keep moving forward. See, the Christian faith, it's not a stand still and wait for something faith. That is not what had ever been intended. It's, it's supposed to be moving. You're supposed to be maturing and growing just like everything else in life. He, God wants us to mature. So I have, I have um, Sincerity and I have four kids, and we're raising them. Um, and for us, th- there's there's two extremes we can do, okay? And, and they're both really bad. We can give them everything their heart desires and spoil them and give them whatever they want, whenever they want it. And, and we can just we can say, yeah, you're our kids. We love you. We're going to do that to you. And that would ruin them because they would never learn value of things. And so there's one danger in just providing and enabling and never allowing our kids to grow up. The other danger is we would give them nothing and, in fact, just create um, pain and hurt in their lives, maybe even abuse, you know, because it's all about us. There's two extremes there. In the middle there, there's somewhere where we say, you know what, there's there's this, this part of sometimes doing the hard thing means saying no to something they really want so that they can mature and grow up, They they can can they can... They can Uh, Understand what life is really about, and we don't let allow them get stuck. We even have this term that that we use, arrested development, where somebody they they stop for progressing, in in the physical, maybe there's something in their body that stops, or in in the emotions or the mental, right? Even sometimes addictions can 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 help uh, can stop people at maturing emotionally when when they begin to do things, they they stop growing because because these substances that they take in stop them from really feeling and knowing um, how to respond. And it's arrested development. It stops the progress. So um, in, in, in scriptures, Paul is... is uh, Paul, we're gonna, we're gonna, through the series, we're going to talk about a few different characters. All right, One of them is going to be James. And James is important. James is the brother of Jesus who wrote, who wrote the book uh, of James okay, in the New Testament. How many of you guys know uh, it would take a lot to get your brother to believe that you were God? <laughs> right? So this is one of the strongest cases for the deity of Christ. James grew up with Jesus. In fact, he's not even in the narrative at all in Jesus' life. And then all of a sudden he shows up. Why? Because he experienced the, the resurrected Christ. And he says, whoa, he was telling the truth. He's not crazy. And he experienced this and he knew something about Jesus beyond that. And so he believed in his brother to say that this, this, is, this is God's, God's son. And he, and he gave his life to follow and to tell others. So we're going to talk about James in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about Peter. Peter, he started the journey with Christ. And then we know, you might not know the story, but before Jesus died, Peter says, I'll never run away. I'll never desert, desert you. And Jesus, before he died, says, you know, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, even before I go on that cross. And Peter's like, never, that's not me. And then this teenage girl says, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he denies Jesus to a teenage girl because he's afraid that he's going to you know, get crucified also and runs away. And he denies Christ three times, and he essentially falls away. And then, and then he has this encounter with Christ where God says, Jesus says, All right, you messed up, but I'm going to restore you. When you restore, man, it's going to be good. Well, he writes a book. It's called it's two books towards the end of the Bible, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And he also starts a lot of churches and just does some great stuff. Well, Peter, in his book, he talks about what it's like to fail. And what you have to do not to fail and not to stop. See, if we start this journey with God and we get lift off because of the cross and we begin to be free from sin and from our own evil desires that pull us and want to keep us grounded, we begin to fly. Well, Peter says, there's some things you have to keep doing or you're going to do this, nosedive back into the ground. And that's not what God wants. God wants you to be able to soar above, not have the same worries that everybody else has to worry about all the time, but to be able to get above those and say, man, life is bigger than just paying bills and life is bigger than just the 70, 80, 90 years that we live on this earth. It's bigger than that. But the way we continue going is by, of course, drag is always going to be pushing. We'll talk about this, but it's by speed, by movement, by momentum, keeping you moving forward. So you have to have this, this, this fuel. So Peter says, if you do these things, you will never fall. You'll never fail. We're going to talk about that next week. Say, all right, so Peter, we're going to talk about um, some of the verses we use quite, quite a bit are from Paul. Paul is, is a, a man who hated Christians. All right. So if you're here today and you really don't like Christians, man, you're going to really like Paul, okay? Because he didn't like Christians. In fact, he wanted to put them in prison. He wanted to beat them. He, just, he did not like them. And then he had this encounter with Jesus, and he says, oh, I'm on the wrong team. All right, I get it. And he switches his worldview, and he begins to see God in a whole different way. And he goes, he does, it's an incredible story. He goes through all kinds of suffering and persecution, being in prison, being hungry, being shipwrecked, over and over all these difficult things. Because he believes so much in what the message of Christ that he wants to help as many people know this. So essentially, he gives his whole life to help all these people. In fact, most of the New Testament is written by him. We have it because this man said, I'm willing to give my whole life to do this. And so throughout his scriptures, he keeps saying, you need to mature. We're going to look at some of those even today. So so the cross allows us to overcome sin and the grave. Maturity, uh, we mature by continuing to move forward. We mature by making the choice to move forward see maturity some people you know maybe sometimes we don't get a good picture of maturity and we say well i don't if that's what maturity is all about maybe adults just don't have fun and kids look at that and say man if that's what adulthood is i don't want that so it's important we learn to have fun we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks um and so really the idea is that we that god is calling us to, to a place where we can mature and we can enjoy life so why mature well maturity comes brings its own rewards all right. We see this every September. We see this now in the next couple of months. We'll see the pictures that get put on Facebook and Instagram of, hey, um, I just got my, my degree. I just graduated. You know, pretty soon my new office i am be working in. In, in in August, September. Parents can take pictures of the first day of their child's school. Right. Kindergarten, first grade, whatever it is, their backpack, their new clothes. They're excited about the progression of life and what's taking place. We show everybody, hey, this new new thing in my life. And it's, it's natural. They're just part of. It's rewarding when we accomplish something, when it costs us something. We put in work and we, we get a degree out of it or whatever it is. There's, there's a reward there saying this is very fulfilling. Well, it's the same thing that God is calling us to. There's, there's something very fulfilling when we, we start the relationship with God and we keep moving, we keep maturing, we keep growing. We get to this place that we begin to see what God is producing in us. And then others see it and they say, man, I want that. How do I get that? And Peter says, if you do these things, you'll never fail. And Paul says, if you keep growing, you're going to produce something really good. Jesus tells these stories and says, if you will become mature, here's what will happen. We'll see in a little while. And he invites us into this process of maturing and growing up. See, in Hebrews, Hebrews 5.11, um, I'm going to read this. He, he, um, the, the writer of Hebrews says that, he, that we need to, um, to mature and to, and to grow. He says, Hebrews 5.11 He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. So the writer is talking to these people. They they have a background. They're Hebrews. They have this background in in the Jewish religion of Judaism. And they're trying to figure out how this all fits together, right? The Old Testament and, 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 and Judaism and Jesus coming as a, as a Jew and as a rabbi, but bringing something, a different teaching that fulfills all that? What does this mean? And so they're trying to, 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 to help them to mature and develop. And he says, man, I have so much to explain, but you're so slow to learn. You're not, you're not really keeping up. He said, in fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You should be teachers, but you're still looking for, for the elementary truths. Essentially, he's saying you need milk, not meat. Man, you, you're, you're wanting meat, milk, still not meat. You're not maturing. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, get that, an infant? So when we start, the, we're going to talk about the, the, the progress next week and the, the, how God moves us. But essentially, it's, it's, we, start, we start this new life, okay? This is, this is where salvation comes in. We accept Christ. We start a new life. It's a new creation. Well, essentially, you start off as an infant. You're a baby. You're a baby Christian. You're a baby. And you're new to this stuff. Well, what's the next step? Childhood. And then adolescence. And then eventually you mature into adulthood and you become a mature believer. And he, what, what he's saying is, you're still an infant. You, you got, Man, you got the message. You, you bought into it. You, you joined in. But you stopped. You need to keep moving forward. See, he says anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. There's more things to this than just the cross and, and what Jesus said. That's important. But there's more. There's... There's solid food for the mature. He says, but the solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Get that? By the constant use of what? The food that they're eating. So essentially, he's saying they're learning something that has substance, but they're using it, and because they're using it, they're, they understand good and evil. And so essentially, he's saying, man, a mature person understands, a mature, a mature Christian understands the difference between good and evil. How many of guys know in our society? A lot of people call things that are evil good, right? We're starting to get to this place where, man, there's things that just are not healthy. And people say, man, that's really good. We even use words like, that's bad. I no, is it bad or is it good? I don't understand. That's really bad. That's, That's cool. It's awesome. It's bad. And we begin to blur the lines of what is really good for us and what is evil. And we even make excuses. It's not really that big of a deal. Well, he's saying a mature person begins to recognize and realize, hey, there is a big difference there. Because evil always produces death, and it doesn't produce anything good. And good will produce something that's good in our lives that he's calling us to. So he goes on to say, man, the, the mature, the f- solid food, meat, is for mature. Because by constant use of this food that they're getting, they know to distinguish good and evil. He says, therefore, in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. All right, saying so you're, still, you're still young. You're, you're stayed in the elementary teaching. And let's go, to, let's go on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance. And here's some of the foundational stuff that you need to know about, all right? This is important, but he's saying that you move beyond this. Repentance from the acts that lead to death. That means we turn away from things that lead, lead us to destruction. That's, that's one of the places we start. Repentance is turn our heart back to God, away from things that are not good for us. And then faith in God is believing in God. Instructions about baptisms. Next week, we're going to have baptisms, a baptism. It's important that we understand the importance of this. When we follow Christ and we're a new creation, man, we celebrate the fact that our old man dies and we have a new man that's born, that starts over. It's this picture of a new life. And baptism is us telling the world, hey guys, I'm making a decision that I'm going to be a new person. So I'm going to leave the past. It's going to get buried in the water, symbolism, and I'm going to come up. Like Jesus went into the grave, came up three days later, Easter. Baptism is that same thing. It's the people of Israel living in slavery, and you know what, when they got freed, you know what they did, they had to pass through? They had to pass through water. I mean, God parted it, but this is the picture. You can live in the land of slavery, or you can pass through to a land of freedom. And as you do this, you're declaring, man, we're, we're being cleansed, we're, we're be, be, becoming a new, a new creation, new person. And that's what baptism is, an amazing thing. And he says, so these are the elementary, these are the foundational things that we have to learn about. The laying on of hands. He says that when we pray for people, that there's power in the fact that when we come in agreement with God and we pray for others, God does something amazing. The resurrection of the dead. Death is not the end. And then there's going to be eternal judgment. We'll stand before God and we'll give an account. And he says, God permitting, we'll do so. What does it mean, God permitting, we'll do so? We'll grow up. God permitting, we're going to be able to grow up and mature and become what he wants us to become. We'll be able to do this. So, um, there's... In um, one of Jesus' teaching, it's called the parable of the sower. He tells his teaching to some, pe- some people, and I'm going to kind of um, um, read it on the, on the surface. Um, um, I'm going to read this story. So this is found in Luke 8, 5 through 15, called the parable of the sower. One of Jesus' teaches where he's trying, trying to bring a, a truth to us to learn. All right? This is what it says. You can go to that next one. It says a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some seed fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds they ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants they withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds they fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds they fell on good soil. And when it came up, it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. So there's some that fell on different kinds of paths. But one, it fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a hundred times more than what was sown. So Jesus went then and went to explain the story to disciples. He moves on. He begins to explain to the disciples. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. See, the seed is the word of God. Word of God, powerful seed. He says, those along the path are the ones who hear. People, they hear the word, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. There's a seed that's planted. Every single week, we say things, and these are seeds that are, are thrown to you, and you catch it, and if it's not received, the enemy comes and steals it or gets trampled because it's on the, path, on the path. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time, the testing, time of testing, they fall away. Those who hear with enthusiasm, some of them hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad. The moment there's trouble, and it's gone. It doesn't produce anything. The seed that fell among the thorn stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, their riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. These are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out, and nothing comes of it. As they go about their lives, worrying about tomorrow, making money. But the seed that landed on good soil, it stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. They seize the word, they hold on on no matter what, sticking with it until there is a harvest. And they produce 60, 90, and 100% of what was sown into their life. So the parable of the sower is found in three different Gospels, right? So, so three different people wrote in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And, and he talks about the, the seed and, and, and what it's about and what the, what the Word is. And he tells a story. And so, um, for me, this can be, sometimes it can be a little disturbing because what this story says is there to be a lot of people that come to church. And some people... The seed's going to be sown. Man, Jesus died for you. He loves you. One day you're going to stand before God and that seed doesn't land on a good, good soil and it doesn't produce anything. And there's going to be other people that seed lands on a good soil and they do something with it and they produce a lot of good fruit. Well, we're going to walk through this. Right? There's four different, there are four different uh, places that the seed landed on. We're going to talk about what a mature, how a mature person needs to receive and hear and move forward. So the first one, it says that it was sown on the path or the road. And this one, the first one, it represents a hard heart. It's just surface stuff. You know, this, sometimes in our culture, we celebrate just the, the external, what we see. It just stays on all the external, what is seen. It's possible to come to church your whole life, show up, even go through the motions, just so people can see and miss everything that it's about. A hard heart. They didn't, it says that they didn't understand it, that it was trampled by others, that the seed was stolen by the enemy, preventing them from believing and being saved. Jesus says we have an enemy that wants to stop us from maturing, that wants to stop us from being the kind of people God wants to. The second one, second soil is, is rocky ground, the gravel, and this represents shallow character. It says the one that was sown on the gravel, man, they received it with enthusiasm. There, there was joy. They were excited about it, but there was no deep roots because they had shallow soil of character. It didn't last long. Once the emotions wore off, it's like, I'm out of here. I tried it. I done that, but now I'm gone. And when it gets hard or difficult, or when there's testing or temptation or trouble or persecution. In fact, it even says for those that are persecuted because they believe in God's, God's, because they believe God's word, they fall away when it gets difficult. That's the shallow character, rocky ground. The third one are thorns or weeds. This represents a crowded life. We begin to focus on the wrong things. It says they were choked by life's worries, the cares and the riches. It even says the deceitfulness of wealth in one of the translations. Man, they, 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 were, they were concerned with the deceitfulness of wealth. You know, I mean, there's this, this appealing power of, if I had more wealth, I, I mean, everything would be taken care of. There's a, there, a, there's a, there's riches, pleasures, desires for other things, to do more, to get more. That, that's very American, very consumer-driven. Man, I want more, I want more, I want more. One of the reasons that we need to to grow up and mature is so that we can can do more, right? And we can have more. And if you have a consumer mentality, you're going to hear that as more money, more fun. But when you mature and you get to do more and you get to have more, that means that God wants to bless you. In fact, he told told Abraham, one of the first guys that, that, that he invited to follow him. He said, Abraham, I want to lead you to this new land. If you follow me and if you do this, I'll make a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you. And you know why he wants to bless Abraham? So that he can bless the whole world through Abraham. God wants to do the same thing. When you mature and you begin to get rewarded for it, he wants to bless you so others can be blessed. So others can learn how to grow up. Others can learn how to mature. Others can know how to live a life that's fulfilling. So he wants us to grow because we can do more. He wants us to prosper. But it says they never grew up into maturity. It made them unfruitful because they had a crowded life. Stress and struggle killed what they had heard weeds of worry i love that the weeds of worry came in and choked out and it was the illusion of getting more and wanting everything under the sun that that's the third ground the thorns and the weeds of crowded life and then he says but then there's this fourth ground good soil and this represents the an honest and good heart a noble and good heart a good-hearted person this is the mature person this is what god has wanted us to, to become and do he says well the mature person, the good soil, they hear the word. They hear the news, the good news of, man, just died. He came and, uh, and lived like us, to die for us, so we can have a way back to God. The good news, they hear it. They, only, they not only hear it, they retain it. They accept it. They understand it. They embrace it. They cling to it. And because they're persevering, they produce a crop that's 30, 60, and 100 times more than what they received. One, one writer, he says, they patient, patiently produce a huge harvest. You know, if you want a huge harvest, it takes a lot of time. It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes time. A mature person understands this. You can't have everything right now. We'll talk about that next week the different stages. And it says, man, they, they, they produce a, a harvest that's beyond their wildest dreams. I, I know about you. I have some really big dreams for life. And he says he, it'll produce something even more greater than that if you'll follow. See, when, when, when it comes to maturing, there's a couple things that we can do that we need to do. One of those is man having people around you, small groups. We're, we're in the middle of a group season, small group season. This is important because it helps mature and helps us keep us on, on the right path. It helps to encourage us, helps to strengthen us. Coming to church is a way that we can be, be encouraged. Every single week, we sow seeds and say, hey, this is going to help your life. If you'll grab it and you'll let it grow in your life and you'll, you'll hold on to it, like Jesus says, and let it produce something, it's your choice. Maturity is a choice. Growing up, there's things that you just, it's naturally, we just have to grow up in certain areas. But being a mature person is a choice that we have to make. So one pastor in Australia, he says this about church. He says, the more optional church becomes to you, the less impact it'll have on you. Maybe one of the reasons that that, that coming to church doesn't maybe produce as much as it could is because you made it too optional. That's just something I do. No, this is important. Gathering together is important. Being in a group is important. You know, t- tonight we have 101 and 201. We talk about why we meet in a theater. This is a strategy. It's strategic. It doesn't feel like church. Somebody says, it doesn't really feel like church. Well, we're trying to connect with people that don't have any kind of church background. A movie theater is not threatening at all. It takes away a whole bunch of barriers that a church building would put in front of many people who've been hurt with the church or who just don't believe in the church or seen too much destruction from the church. Man, a movie theater is not threatening. We want that. Why? Because we want to connect with people who don't go to church. And people that, that, that are, are Christians, they come, they buy into that vision, they say, Oh, I understand it. We explain that at 101. Why we do it? Why we do it the way we do? Why do we have such a short service? Because we want people to have a great experience that never have come and says, Wow, that was, that was shorter than a movie, and I really enjoyed that. I think I'm going to come back next week. And it's happened over and over and over as we started this church. But the more optional church becomes to you, the less impact it will have on you. It can't become optional. You have to say, this is important. This is a priority. And here's my heart. If, if the grove is not the place you can grow and, and add to the kingdom of God, find a church that you can. That's the important thing. You have to get plugged in somewhere where you're going to grow and mature and help the kingdom grow. And our strategy is our strategy. We don't think we're the best church. We're just one of the churches in Santa Fe. In fact, this morning we prayed for a whole bunch of other churches in Santa Fe because they're preaching the same good news that we are of saying there's life that God has for you. And that's our heart to connect people to that, to that God who gives life. If you connect to that vision, man, join us in it. So we talked about how that first verse says uh, in Ephesians, Paul is telling that we will grow up in all things. Here's the context of that, of that scripture, all right? Ephesians four eleven through 16, Paul says, So Christ himself, he gave the apostles. One translation, he says, he gave the gift to the church. They're called the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. So why does he give the church pastors? My job is to get people to learn to work so that the kingdom can grow. It's not to do the work. People say, "Well, you're the minister. I'm not the minister. No, if you're a Christian, you're a minister and you're doing what God has asked. He wants you to do the work of ministry to help people know this. So our job is to equip, to build up. See, he says, until we all reach unity in the faith, there's this place of maturity where you grow up and you say, all right, now it's my turn to produce other kids. And I want to help them have a good example of what a mature person looks like. So I'm going to do the right things as I raise them up. And he says, in this church, we have all these different stages and levels. We have infants who just started. I Man, we have some people that haven't even joined, joined yet. They're just coming. They're just observing. They haven't committed their life to Christ. Well, When they do, they're going to be infants. We have some children in the faith. We have, we have adolescents in the faith, probably a lot of adolescents in the faith, and then we have mature people in the faith. And so we have all this, this big spectrum of people that come to the church that we're trying to train and equip. Why? So we can all reach unity in the faith. We can all grow and mature together. See, the responsibility always rests on the mature person to do what's right, not on the immature person. So when you come to the grove and you say, well, man, it's just, because he talks about milk and meat. He's not saying milk is bad. In fact, milk is very good. My little, my little daughter is an infant. Milk is helping her grow very quickly and very strong. It's important for her to get it. And a mature person says, well, I need meat. Well, you know where the best meat is? At your house. When you cook it. And we're going to talk about what a mature person does. It's a self-feeder. It, it learn, you learn how to, how to feed yourself also. But a mature person always has to look for the younger ones and say, how can I help you become more mature in the faith? How can I help you become more until we all reach the same unity and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their, decei- in their deceitful schemes. What's he saying? When you mature, you're going to understand good and you're going to understand evil. And you're not going to be tricked by the evil. You'll be able to make good things. In Ephesians 4, he says he continues on saying, Instead... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. That's where we get the verse. We will grow up in all things. We will grow up in all things. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Each part does its work. So fully uh, mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Why do, we want to, why do you want you to mature in the faith? Because as you mature, the church matures. And what does that mean? That means we can have a greater impact in the city of Santa Fe and the surrounding communities for, the, for God's kingdom. We can reach more. Why? Because we're coming together to be built up, to be mature together, to help others that are new in the faith to become mature. I love it. We have group leaders that meet all around the city. We have 11 groups that start. That's, that's amazing for a brand new church. Okay, it's, it's huge. 11 groups that meet around the city throughout the week. And these group leaders have taken it on their heart to say, I want to help somebody take a next step towards Christ. That's a mature person saying, I want to help somebody that maybe needs to develop in different areas and move, move forward. God wants us to grow up. I mean, he wants us to know the whole truth, to, to live in love, to let, let, let Christ in everything that we do. So today, here's, here's our call as a church. To re- our, our call is to reach people with a life-giving message. There's a lot of people that have not been reached, that don't know that God loves them, that are hurting, that are like this, this, this young girl in, in, my, in my friend's class that says, Man, I, just, I don't have anything to live for. We have a lot of people all around us that have that, that are looking for answers. And we believe we have the best answer in the world and that Christ has something for them. And we want to invite them that we want to reach them with the life-giving message of Christ. And as we mature and as we grow, we give an example to others. We give them hope for a great future and a great life. So maturity, is a choice. If you're going to mature, you have to choose to take those steps towards him. Remember, if you do these things we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks, you'll keep growing, you'll keep moving forward towards God. If you stop, you're going to crash. You'll stop growing, you won't get there. So this is our challenge for today. All right, maturity is a choice. Choose to take the next step towards Christ. If you're an infant in the faith, man, that might mean you begin, we're going to be told next week to begin to read your Bible daily. You don't have to read the whole Bible every day. You just have to read a portion. You know, you get something. Maybe a few verses, a paragraph, a, few, a chapter or so. And as you grow, you begin to read a little more. You begin to pray. And if, and if you're an infant, your next step is going to be different than if you're in a mature person. If you're a child, your next step is to help get to the next stage. If you're an adolescent, your, your step is to, next step is to say, hey, God, how can I mature in this? If you're an adult, mature believer your step is, is, is going to be different than the infants. You're going to be in to help maybe the infants to grow. Does that make sense? So as, as, as a church, as people, we have to grow up. And here's why this series is going to be helpful. These principles are, are primarily geared towards spiritual health and spiritual growth. But you can take these principles and you can apply them at work. You can apply them in parenting. You can apply them in how you handle finances. You can apply them as an employer or an employee, as a student, as a son or daughter. You could take the principles because they're the same thing for maturing in life and apply them, and you'll see, begin to see rewards. And as you work, as you apply things, you get benefit. Being an adult is really actually very cool. Is it a lot of work? Yeah, it's a lot of work at times. But there's freedom in it. And I can do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. And I, I, can, I can get more, I can accomplish more. When we stay stuck, we don't produce the kind of life we can produce. The people we celebrate in life, Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, different people that have done great impacts, Billy Graham. These are people who said, I'm going to live a life that's just not all about me. And what I'm going to do now is going to live on beyond me. That's why we need to grow up so that when we live a life, it lives beyond us. And it keeps going on and we impact people. Yeah, we impact people. And that's what God's calling us to. And that's, that's a great call for the Grove. Man, what we do here is going to impact people for eternity. And I can't wait for the next few years to see how God takes a group of people that are passionate about saying, man, Jesus is pretty awesome. His ways are pretty good. And we begin to share others. And we begin to see him multiply what we do and do some amazing things. So today, I encourage you to take that step. So today, um, maybe you're here. And you're new to church. Maybe you've, you've gone away from church for a long time. Or maybe you've just kind of fallen away. You've kind of just left. Well, I would love to help you start this journey. Maybe you're, you're this first stage. You're saying, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure if I want to do this. I don't really want to start this process yet. I Man, the first step is just to admit, like he talked about, it's this place of we repent from evil things and turn towards God and his goodness. That's the first step. And You might be here today and you're saying, I'm looking for answers. I need help. Well, your first step is turning back to God, saying, God, I need your help. Forgive me. And see, the Bible says that when we, when we humble ourselves and we ask God to forgive us, you know what He does? He forgives us. He responds. And we begin this journey, this, this flight of life, that we begin to live with Him. And, and, and He asks us to take this, this next step. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you close your eyes? We're in close service today. And if you're here today and you would like to say, you know what, I want to start this journey you're talking about. And I haven't, even, I haven't spiritually, I'm dead. I haven't even started this life with God. But today, I would like to start this journey. The first step is saying, God, I need your help. I want to make you Lord of my life. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that just simply says, God, forgive me. And for living life for myself, forgive me of my sin. You're going to say, I I believe you died on that cross for me. And you invite God to lead you. It's pretty much a, a, a prayer that just invites relationship with God. If you're here today and you'd like me to lead you in that prayer, would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just would you lift your hand and say, you know what? I want to take that first step. I need to mature and I need to to find out how to grow up in life myself. Anybody out there? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. I see those hands. Thank you for putting those hands up. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? The rest of us, would you join and just encourage them and help them? See, Father God, I need your help. Forgive me for making life about me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for choosing evil. I invite you today to come and clean me. Help me become this new person. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive to help me. Today, today, Would you be my God? Would you be my leader? My boss? I give you my life today. Help me to be good soil that produces good in this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.